Hey there, everyone. This is Illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read some stuff this week. I watched a movie. This week, we are doing the Christmas Hallmark movie phenomenon. This is not a Hallmark movie, but I watched A California Christmas, which is number one on Netflix right now. This is kind of how we led to this. Uh, an interesting in on how these movies typically go, and now maybe somebody has some sort of fresh just spin on, oh, it's going to be about the guy in this time. But Hallmark movies. And Bizarre. How, how <laughs> romance Christmas. We didn't realize we went down the rabbit hole. We're going to talk about what makes a Hallmark movie and then how a greeting card company became one of the biggest production companies specifically for it's this bananas. season. Yeah. They started a thing in the 2010s called The Countdown to Christmas, where they release a new Christmas movie every day. Oh, my God. And uh, they make half a billion dollars in ad revenue. Oh, my God. For the 100 days after Halloween to the end of the year. And this is some of the demographic stuff, but women 18 to 54 watched this channel the most in at really? the end of the year time frame. Yeah. 72 million people watched the countdown to Christmas last oh my year. God. Some people have it on all the time. Or it's that's you know. how many people voted <laughs> on, on, on one side. God God. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> it's pretty crazy how prolific it is. And it's only increased. So like in terms of original holiday films, in 2010 they only made six. And then in 2016, they made 28 that year. And then this year oh in 2020, God. in spite of the coronavirus, they made 40. Oh, my God. They're out year. of control. They're actually out of control. I was like, yeah. we're going to have to play it up. Like, they're out of control. It's a virus. <laughs> it's a virus. So we got to contain it. No, they actually are out of control. That's so much worse than I thought it yeah. could possibly be. We're, we're just talking about the Hallmark Channel, not Netflix, which had made 20 this year for uh which and even netflix is oh not God. all their own productions and shows like they bought you right. know the holiday bake-off and various right. other things no hallmark Wait, just and, made and exactly with with a with a california christmas this is something that they just bought it's shot to number one so we we picked it and thought it was an interesting way to open up this hallmark craze but yeah uh i was kind of disappointed in in that i i, I was expecting it to be you know like wh when we talk about hallmark christmas we're thinking a, a woman uh who needs a man in a small mountain town and it's got a ranch and the ranch is in, in trouble you, you know like it's mm -hmm. it's got all those kind of antiquities those kind of stars around it but i thought a california christmas oh man it's going to be sunny it's going to be bright we're going to go to like california scapes which is vast you can if you can feel like you're all over the world in california i was really like okay interesting and i got the idea quickly that it was focused more from the man's point of view and i thought okay this is interesting that's also tricky waters how are they going to navigate this but it is number one on netflix let's give it a shot and i was really quickly let down to see that it is set in a small town <laughs> northern california wine country town and so everything is just copy and paste the same things you would find in any of the hallmark christmas you know, typical christmas right. movies uh, and I thought there was more opportunity to really like, like, why should I care about this guy? He's spoiled and rich and has everything. He's got ladies and he takes everything for granted. So I don't, I'm not rooting for him. And I thought if there was room there for in this character for a want and a need in him that it, when if the night before, if he's, you know, if I see how he swindles this girl and I get a glimpse into like, oh, dad's out of the picture. Uh, that's that right there is a whole thing. Mom doesn't have time because she's running the company. That's compounding dramatic pressure right there. I, I, if you had just 
five minutes, something, a scene that gave me more into what is missing in his life, then I would have a bit of a different perspective of what yeah. this whole movie was saying. Well, I think also you're looking at it very filmically. And the the question hopefully we'll be able to answer is like, why does the lack of quality not matter? Why? Know, there, and <laughs> I've, watched a, I've watched a video that said like, there is a drive for unsophisticated, and that is the word that they use, unsophisticated programming that is just inoffensive and is just easily permissible to put on TV and run yeah. by. And they use the word unsophisticated. And I kept thinking about that because I'm like, what I just suggested adding doesn't really elevate the quality of filmmaking, but it, it does everything to get me involved, I feel like. So I'm like, is that right. sophisticated? I don't know. I could have that conversation all yeah. right, Taylor. <laughs> well, let's just talk about what... So a lot of these are based on books, which is also why we're covering it. And the plot lines, though, like you're saying, are so recycled, they even get accused of stealing from themselves. Embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some of the trademarks of the format for the setting, as you mentioned, idyllic small towns, even with the the classic names, Angel Falls, Evergreen. <laughs> like they're, They all fit into that right. paradigm. They're all the world is idealized. It's interesting also that- Like a Thomas Kincaid painting. Exactly. If you know Thomas Kincaid, it's all lush and beautiful mm -hmm. and soft. And the only thing that people care about in these towns are Christmas. Like nothing else exists except getting in the spirit of the season. It's like Google, but everybody's yeah. middle class. Right. And they, <laughs> like they want you to feel like a kid on Christmas morning because you forgot what Christmas was about and nothing else. There's no politics. There's no pop culture. There's nothing in these towns except Christmas. On that note, I feel like these have aesthetically wandered into a space where they feel so out of time and out of touch that they feel like older movies mm -hmm. that they actually feel like a like maybe a, a disney's live action movie from the 50s or 60s actually. well that's definitely you're 100 right that's what they're pulling from and in terms of the plot they all are about basically the same thing so main character independent woman with an interesting job and throughout the story there becomes some appealing romantic prospect she's usually facing some sort of stress either a problem with said interesting job and always single in the holidays and always heading back to that hometown. And by the right. end, finds a pr like that's literally basically every single one plug and play. You can say literally any premise idea that you have, like Evan was saying before we started recording, finding a stray cat laid so and so it's like you or just pick a character idea, cupcake artist. <laughs> so and like they've made it, you know. The other thing is they have Santa is on trial. Yeah. <laughs> Anything Christmassy as an idea will be turned into a Hallmark movie. They also, because it's on television, they have a very distinct writing style. So they each have nine acts, which then hit specific plot points within each one. So there's always the meet cute in act one before the commercial break. There's the almost kiss in act seven and the almost breakup at the end of act eight. And then of course at the end, which is very Quit reading my schedule, <laughs> <laughs> my life. In nine you know, my diary, <laughs> but there's always a happy and chaste ending, a PG kiss at the end, and that's uh, also what they're known for is being very, very inoffensive. Yeah, as yeah, a part yeah. of the plot, but it, it always ends with it. Bows at the end. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it always just ends with a kiss. The other tropes that then Netflix has pulled from more recently. So one of the things that comes up is hiring a fake boyfriend to save face during the holidays because a lot of these women are single during the holidays and that's the uh, conflict uh, and then the romance blossoms between this fake boyfriend netflix that was like their first big christmas thing this year was the holiday where this girl gets this guy to go with her 
for Christmas. That's like a classic Hallmark oh, yes. trope. But that was a big one that came out recently. And then, uh, as you said, in terms of Santa stuff, the potentially magical realism, guardian angels, or there's like a jolly bearded janitor or homeless man that just might be Santa Claus in the flesh. <laughs> that happens a lot. And then in terms of adaptations, they rip off a lot of stuff. So it's like, take the Christmas Carol idea of a Scrooge-like person or a Cinderella kind of ripoff, uh, this girl who then ends up being the heir to the castle. And an interesting, I want to give a shout out, a film I haven't seen yet, but I think it's worth talking about in this context. There was a film just released on Hulu that's getting some some praise uh, called Happiest Season. stars mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis. Um, stars the two of them as a, a gay couple who are visiting one of their parents for the Christmas season, but they're not out. And so it's presented as this friend, which I think the premise there is incredible. And in terms of like a, you know, antithesis to the types of films that we're talking about right. today, this is a very, very serious take on, on a very pressing real topic. But I think it, it's under the guise of exactly this type of format. So I, I, I think this is worth just throwing out there. Oh, something for sure. That I'm going to be watching over the next two weeks for sure. Um, I wish yeah. I had the, had the thought to even watch it before this, but well, and that's all in the, on Hallmark, right. baby. <laughs> and one of the tropes, which we'll get to the controversy at the end of this, but it's all straight, presumably Christian, mostly white couples that the story centered around. But like I said, we'll get to where Hallmark is now with that. But here's here's all the production factors that go into making these things, because how in the world do they make 40 in time? I can't even fathom Christmas. So. I got this. All the pandemic and like <laughs> double down, triple down. <laughs> so the, uh, the 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 factors that come into filming: four weeks of prep, film in three weeks, which ends up being fifteen days of shooting, which is very hard. That is hard. It. That is super hard. Just, and then like yeah, oh, and then God. six to eight weeks of post production. A typical film is a, is probably some like you know a, a feature length uh, probably shoots for thirty to forty days. Uh, a a low budget film who's really skimping by is is in twenty one is or... in the twenty exactly twenty to twenty five to twenty eight may you know like somewhere in that range so to squeeze this under twenty days four weeks of prep good yeah. god that is <laughs> uh, so if if you've ever planned a wedding um think you got to do that every day every single day you've got to straighten that out for every day for fifteen right. days for twenty days for thirty days <laughs> forty days. Right. It's madness. So they they know they know what they're doing now. They definitely have a system. One of the things that they systematize, they film in the summer because it's got to get out by Christmas. So a lot of the snow stuff is they use ice or white drapes or things like that. Man, I bet they have so much I have so much ready to go. Like they mm-hmm. have so much of that material just on lock. <laughs> They make so many of these. Yeah. That. Like, yeah. I want to know how much bulk they're buying of this, like, white foam and all these silly materials. They, uh, they're actually running out of small, cute towns because they often film in Vancouver, but there's only they so shot many them all. within driving distance of the film zone for the tax credits. Yeah, so they're, they're running out of space. Um, That's in, funny. In regards they're running to, themselves out of town. Yeah. There were, there were some absolutes as well that I thought were fascinating in order to complete all these productions. So in regards to the snow and stuff, none of the plots can revolve around snow, getting snow, the small town that hasn't had snow yet this year. Anything that's a plot device related to snow is not allowed because it could run up the budget if that's the main plot and they've got to integrate it into a scene or make sure that it's Uh snowing outside the window, that kind of thing. Snow can't be the focus. We can't afford it. Right. It can it can be in <laughs> we, like we gotta share snow with 40 other productions, <laughs> all right? You cannot yeah. build a skyscraper of snow. 
It can't happen. Because they say a business insider estimated that the average film costs $2 million to produce, which is still a lot to layman's ears. But like we talked about The Crown a couple weeks ago, and that's $10 million per episode. Wow. So they really do have it laid down. And then in terms of the other absolutes for material, the Christmas must be a part of the story. Obviously, there's lights and trees in the background, but the character transformation has to happen because of Christmas. Because of Christmas, right. yes. <laughs> Which ties into the- It all has to happen by yeah, Christmas. <laughs> the aspirational <laughs> stuff. Uh, and then the last thing for the check, you know, they have like a checklist of elements that have to go in. Like there has to involve a set number of classic Christmas elements like wrapping presents or baking cookies or getting a tree. If you miss out on a certain number of them, it's not going to get- through like you have to have those in the in the plot i'm almost wishing they would go they would let one go further with (laughs) with all with their rules and like build the world like it's like when i said whoville like actually make them that crazy about christmas (laughs) like they all have like a doomsday clock but it's for christmas and they all have it in there (laughs) well eventually it'll feel like that i hope i hope hey if you're listening hallmark call me got some (laughs) ideas for you but here's here's the big question, which I think is the most interesting part of the whole deal. How is this cable network, which is massively successful, makes half a billion dollars, how is it owned and operated by a greeting card company? A greeting card company that makes wrapping paper. And that's what we know them for. But then it's like, oh, here's this whole other diversified interest that maybe have- doesn't even – maybe it ties in as like a subsidiary of their business. Like, oh, people are going to buy more greeting cards and wrapping paper. But – also, maybe yeah. No, not. let's think about it in in real terms. So now everybody has has streaming platform. They're popping up all over the place. I was convinced for two seconds that Domino's had a streaming right. platform the other day, just based on a commercial. Uh, everybody has one. And if you think about how long it has taken to get to this point, and you think about who has had the capability to do it before now, where you know, and now yeah. it's a bandwagon. Everybody's jumping on. Uh, Hallmark could have done this ten years ago, almost. <laughs> right. Yeah. They could have really operated this really well. They had they had all the capability to, to operate this a decade ago almost. They do have a family-friendly streaming platform, and the name escapes me, but it is, I read it in some articles and stuff. But it definitely is not to the caliber or to the extent that they could, yeah, have. But like we said, it's it's maybe even harder because they – like so for 2020, they produced 103 original movies, oh 40 of which, as we said, were about Christmas. And they're banking on the Christmas stuff. So would somebody have a streaming service just for Christmas? It's like the Christmas stores that pop up right? or the Christmas tree farms. It's like it might only work for that time. But yeah, it's, it is crazy that they- well, It's like if I bought Disney, but I really just want Star Wars. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so here's some stats for this. They make $4 billion annually. Super successful, but if you wanted to buy stock, you can't because they're still a family-owned private what? company. No, yes, no, no. <laughs> yes. They got to break that up, baby. There's not. Uh, you can't keep that all for yourself. Let me in. I want to make these cheap. I want to make them. <laughs> I. That was the first thing that blew me away. It's like the the grandson or whoever, or maybe even the son, is still involved on the board. Oh, and wow. it's still a private company. And they, they I'm amazed that it's not even diversified out that the entertainment port- portion of the company isn't actually a, really its own independent It subsidiary. is like it is its own like it is called, a, it is its own subsidiary. It's called Crown Media, but it's still all privately owned under the Hallmark. Completely under their wing. That's in, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, and they have their own uh, production company now, obviously. Well, of course. That. Yeah. But here's I'll, I'll they throw pay out. themselves for their own equipment. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. I'll throw out some uh, interesting nibs that I didn't realize they were responsible for. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. We'll just start from the beginning. It was started in 1910, the greeting card stuff, by a high school dropout, J.C. Hall. Okay. He is a, just a teenager from Nebraska, and he took two boxes of postcards with him to Kansas City, which is still where their headquarters is located, is in Kansas City, Missouri. And in 1914, his brother Raleigh joined him and formed a company called the Hall Brothers, and they made greeting cards, which got super popular in World War One because people got to sending cards more to loved ones and oh, soldiers. That makes sense. That makes tons of sense. So here's nib number one of interest. In 1917, mm-hmm. they're credited with inventing modern what we know as wrapping paper. Because Inventing? Uh, yes. Originally, people would just use tissue paper, cover it up, wouldn't be that good, or they would use newspaper or brown paper. But they ran out in their store and they had these fancy French paper slips that were used as uh, envelope lining. So, you know, sometimes if you have a fancy envelope and you open it and it's got like green foil on the inside or whatever. It's like wallpaper for your on- envelope. <laughs> right. But they had all these rolls of extra paper and they're like, well, why don't we just cut it up it in into the- things? Yeah, sell it for 10 cents and it and it sold the next day. So that's that fascinating. Added- I've actually thought about that before. I've thought of, just in any kind of period media wondering when that shift actually came about. <laughs> right. That's so it's- fascinating. And it really was the Hallmark the hall people. Yeah, the Hall brothers. They the Hall Brothers, baby. Then in 1932, they're on the forefront of other things. They created a licensing deal with Walt Disney for his characters. So Perfect. Steamboat Willie had just come out a few years ago in 28. And in 32, they're like, hey, we'll, can you, we're going to put Mickey Mouse on stuff. Wow. Which is crazy. It's also the connection. They're really on it. Yeah. No, that's amazing. They're like, that's, um, they're right there at the inception of these characters. They're getting going as well. I mean, it seems like it's a symbiotic re- mm-hmm. relationship. That's wow. That makes a ton of sense. They uh, and both of these companies seem to want to lean into the same, di- you know, conservative, inoffensive di- direction. Uh-huh. So that sounds perfect to yeah. me. <laughs> and so a point of connection. How they connect is that uh, JC's wife was in elementary school with Walt because he grew up in the no way (laughs) oh my god it's a mutual thing and then so they're building up their business it's all going well in the 1950s they had developed this new card displaying stand which is basically what we see now in all drug stores how it's that tiered kind of thing with the labels on the top man they Um, really don't change they like all this stuff they did it and they're still doing it and now (laughs) it's just it and now if you're no if you don't if you're in this business you don't do it you're an idiot what are you talking about yeah this is they built they built the whole format Mm-hmm. And they got this is amazing. So then here we go. The TV side of things in 1951 direct quote, a note from JC to his sales team, dear fellows, we're going to try our hand at television because now this is big. And there's a lot of uh, advancements that they make in regards to television. So it was this program called the Hallmark Hall of Fame, which continues today. It is the longest running primetime series mm-hmm. on television. Basically what they did was they took and made it into sort of an anthology of classic literature and theater works. So they did Shakespeare plays and filmed them. They did biographic subject matter. They did, you know, normal plays, just anything that they could get their hands on to film as a sort of dramatic production. They did. It's a bona fide, re- uh, bona fide uh, variety show. Gosh, mm-hmm. I had no idea. Of, of literature and plays and Broadway plays and Shakespeare and stuff like that. They also wow. did one of the first productions in color on television was their thing. And uh, they're blowing my mind. I had no idea these. I, okay. 
Mm-hmm. I thought, interesting conversation, company I don't know much about. I had no idea how actually influential they were. I've got to say, I've <laughs> right. got to stop right now and just say that. <laughs> I, so I did not. I didn't, you know, like legitimately inventing wrapping paper, the greeting card setup. Uh, Hallmark and, Hall of and Fame. Being Hallmark Hall of Fame right there on the beginnings of, of, of TV, color, variety shows, <laughs> like really delving into the arts. This is ridiculous. <laughs> They also had, so in terms of firsts, they, Hamlet they did was the first presentation of Shakespeare on television. Wow. Hallmark. They say, I don't know if this is true or not, but more people watch that broadcast than people seeing it performed in the 350 years it had been performed on stage. They're like, hey, Whoa. you know, I mean, that's a crazy thing to think about that they, it, who, who had seen Hamlet, who could pay to see Hamlet in theaters? Right. How many theaters are in towns in America? And then boom, they put it up on TV. Wow. So this thing, like I said, it's the longest running and you won't believe this, but it's also the most award winning series for they have 81 Emmy Awards. Wow. For all aspects, costuming, design, directing, whatever, over all the thousands of different productions that they had put on and filmed, they won. They have won the most Emmy Awards. Good Lord. Any series. This is no joke. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, aha, the Hallmark movie. They carved their own, they made their own way, carved their own path. They got their own everything. They got their own everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like they've been in the game since the game started. Yeah. They might have start, helped start the game. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of the things, speaking of starting, like you can't hold on to the top spot forever. So American Greetings comes out as another card company. And they started. <laughs> rival. <laughs> the rival. <laughs> They started getting big in the early 80s because they had a character that they were drawing on their cards called Strawberry Shortcake. And then the licensing on that went insane. And we know there's an animated show and there's the dolls. There's all that stuff. So Hallmark shoots back and they create this little girl character, Rainbow Bright, which is another staple of the 80s merchandising and whatnot but that was originally a hallmark thing to compete with strawberry shortcake and now they're going to create characters just out of spite (laughs) 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 oh Uh, yeah strawberry shortcake (laughs) (laughs) um but then so then now we're moving past into the uh late 80s and this is big uh nib number three they bought a company called binny and smith but we know them now as crayola and they still hold that so I imagine Hallmark makes a ton of money oh my off gosh. of that stuff, but they're the owners of Crayola and all of the products that come out of that. It's all connected. <laughs> they own the card and what you write with on it. Ugh. Um, how wholesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now comes in modern time and what we now know is kind of their filming thing. So they formed Crown Media in 91, which then instead of just being the Hall of Fame Hallmark, which was broadcast on NBC in prime time they have their own cable network right Um, and they merged with this other religious network called odyssey but then what we now know of it today is this guy bill abbott who became the ceo in 2009 and he said oh i want the channel that we have to feel like walking into a hallmark store and i'll post a link because he even said he's very influenced by the hallmark card commercials that started in the 60s because they just made people cry And I'll post a link to one where this little girl runs up to try and beat her piano teacher to the piano and puts a card in the, you know, sheet music. So when he opens it up, he sees it and says, happy birthday. And you you know, you just ball your eyes out in these minutes. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see. They have ones up to modern day with kids going to college and then leaving cards for their parents. And it's just beautiful. Everybody loves it. And he's like, well, let's. Let's start making those kind of things again. Yeah. Instead of just the Hallmark Hall of Fame stuff. So the VP of programming, who is still the VP to this day, Michelle Vickery, 
she said, we're going to lean into Christmas as a big part of this. Cause that's lean the- in baby. <laughs> so in 2015, like I said, they started their own production company and uh, she said, quote, we're not afraid to look at the dailies and call them up and say, not enough Christmas, <laughs> which ties back to, you know what? I've been waiting for somebody to say it finally. <laughs> and I'm glad they did. That's exactly the kind of person I want to work for. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'll tell you right now, Gentry, it's not enough Christmas. It's just not enough. We've got to reshoot. So uh, it's more trees, uh, more bells, all the, all the more smells, all the, all the Christmas is not without its controversy, which has just come up in the previous year. So oh no, Hallmark is controversial. Mm -hmm. Hallmark is no what? So the uh, this guy Bill Abbott, who I mentioned, who became the CEO a decade before the scandal comes up in 2019 because. If you're trying to avoid any political or religious controversy, you're going to attract it by the nature of pushing things away. You are making a statement of some sort. So right. the first thing that that got into it- Not making it, a statement is inadvertently making a statement. <laughs> yeah. Um, in 2019, Lori Laughlin, who was a big actor in Hallmark movies, they dropped her because of the college admission scandal. She was involved in that. Um, yeah, okay. And so they're like, well, we can't have her- so that brought some kind of an issue to to their thing, and then they made a big to- new scrutiny. Yeah, they made a big to do about uh, in 2019. They said they were making two movies in relation to Hanukkah, but they didn't have Hanukkah in the title, which every Hallmark movie has some either the word Christmas or some relation to it. So people didn't even know. That well, they, they were, were getting the same phone calls in pre production. <laughs> Not enough Christmas. Yeah. So it was like, well, well, it can't be. <laughs> so Bill Abbott tried to defend these things, but really, it's almost. Uh, some would argue putting up Semitic stereotypes because the characters are shown how to do Christmas. You know, they're sounds like, like it would have been horribly forced, and it's probably a good thing they were <laughs> never made. <laughs> right. Well, they were made, but it just didn't. Oh happen. no! Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! I was I was so confident. It's like, well, they just no. did. Oh, clearly they wouldn't do that. No, so they, they yeah. you did. Oh. So that's the scandal. Is like, oh, here's this person who's Jewish and is shown what Christmas is really all about. Oh, Oh, no. So that happened in 2019. And then the big thing that uh, pushed them over the edge was there was a same-sex commercial for this wedding planning company, and it had a lesbian couple, and they aired the commercials. There were a bunch of different commercials that this company used, and a few of them had same-sex couples. And this anti-gay group gave Hallmark guff, so they pulled the ones that had the gay couples and then got even more flack for that and then brought it back. But the damage was already done. I think it's indicative of what's of what's going on there. I think I think that kind of lays lays bare that they they don't really have much of an agenda, but they can make some ma- m- real mistakes. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. And that you know, they're really just they're trying, like you said at the outset here, they're trying to avoid the controversy, and then that attracts it. Mm-hmm. It's really a sad situation, yeah. I suppose. So Bill Abbott left the company in January of this year, aka was fired. Although Michelle is still the the VP of programming, and I listened to a podcast interview with her, and they were mm. trying to ask, like, well, what's the deal with this? Essentially being like, did Bill just have his way with this? Because he had said, in, and I listened to a podcast with him, and his, you know, he gave all these reasons and like, oh, there's only so much time, and we're looking at the material, and uh, very politically saying, well, we don't want to do this sort of stuff. But mm. he was replaced in the summer by this gal, Wanya Lucas, who definitely has an eye for inclusion. She oversaw public broadcasting Atlanta, 
which includes the NPR okay. and, and PBS stations. And she was working on, you know, for Discovery, a lot of mm-hmm. stuff in television stations. But for this year, which is kind of interesting, a lot of the slate was already decided and they were already in production, you know, in the summer and whatnot. And then with coronavirus, but they did have for the first time this year, the first film that featured a gay couple called The Christmas House was, uh, well, that's fantastic. was under her watch. And then Michelle Vickery is saying, yes, we're adding more. Wow. There was another film also called Love Lights Hanukkah that writes the wrongs of the previous one. It's got Hanukkah oh in God. the title, and it's about this oh woman who recognizes God. her Jewish heritage and learns about her family, faith, and community, and it directly ties into religion as a as a Christmas or I hope it says something concept. that she has a place within her community and, and <laughs> right. can be have her own identity, please. Right. And like and like you said with Hulu's happiest season about the LGBTQ couple coming home, right. there's a, been other companies that have sort of filled in the gap this year at least. So Netflix had Jingle Jangle, predominantly performers of color, you know, dance numbers, a Broadway oh, yes. style thing that came out this year, and then Lifetime had a film about a Chinese American woman coming back home for some sort of a cooking competition. I find it so fascinating that they've just completely back, they just flip-flopped back and forth. on Like they did those commercials mm-hmm. and then they got flack for it. And then they pulled it. <laughs> right. And then they got more flack for pulling it because obviously, <laughs> and, and then they put them back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you made the right decision the first time by just making the commercials and putting them <laughs> out there and being done with it. It's just so interesting that they actually did it, that they felt the pressure and made the decisions to do it. Okay, now we need to, oh, and now we're going to, hold on. That's fascinating. Right. Uh, and you might say, and this is what Michelle was tr- maybe saying, but not really saying in this interview, it's like the, the leadership does come from the top. So yes. if it's this Bill Abbott guy who has been responsible for it for the past 10 years, he had maybe made the final say and now they they're hiring more yeah. writers of a diverse background and past that or past that people. hill now that's yeah. really interesting and i think and, yeah r- rounding it ahead, out yeah, with yeah. uh rounding it out with sort of w- the answer to why this cultural obsession and it's interesting how it's changing this year and onward forever with these other companies and hallmark it's like like you said it feels like a nod to the inoffensive chaste fair of the 50s and 60s and then also right. feels like a throwback to the 70s and 80s, these TV movies that have special guest stars. Like Mariah Carey was in some Hallmark movie this past. Right. Like, you know, they, like they'll they, take like flash pan A-listers who were child stars in like right, 80s right. and 90s sitcoms and make them the main character of these things. Right. Which is really, I mean, that draws in a huge crowd. I know that, you know, people like my parents and, you know, maybe some people slightly younger, I mean, have definitely yeah. been drawn in by things just as simple as that it's like oh man they were on party of five mm-hmm. interesting and that that is enough to have it just on tv and on in the background and nobody paying attention to it but they kept it on because they saw that right. that one face that they hadn't seen in 15 years well and at the end of the day also people want like you said an unsophisticated so like all the problems that these movies have from a review that i saw that movie happiest season it, ha- it still has the same if you don't like this genre or style or feel right. goodery of a rom-com like it's this is my I- favorite kind of movie, Taylor. I watch these. I watch these out of season. I watch these every week. <laughs> this is my. This is what I love. Well, yeah, but it will still have. It's good. It's like it's a good situation to be in where it's like you're getting movies of all these kinds, and they still are the same cheesy silliness. But at least there's more to them in terms of the content, as, right? You know, and I think what they're leaning away from as Michelle had said in this podcast, is it's not damsels in distress. Like fall, falling in love doesn't come from falling off a ladder into some guy's arms. 
It's, oh, I'm seeing the goodness in this other person. Right. And, and I think that's some, that's exactly where a California Christmas falls, you know, doesn't think it through where it's at the end of the day. He still saves their ranch. You're <laughs> right. like, so they're in they live in wine country and uh, they'd never thought of that their little uh, gifting wine that they give to family and friends. They'd never thought to actually bottle and sell that before until the outsider from from the city came out with yeah. these new ideas. And lo and behold, save the ranch. They never had that idea living in wine country on a farm where they <laughs> I don't know. So there's there's a lot of work uh, to be done here in this genre and i think that people are really smelling blood they're smelling like fresh meat here <laughs> like what can we do and so it's well, a, I, i'm excited we'll see yeah we'll see it's a just that's the tale of uh hallmark and all of the things that they've done i'm absolutely baffled <laughs> by some of this to be honest and they're gonna continue to make you know probably 80 movies next year oh my god <laughs> they're they are a virus they're the new virus and we must stop them everybody's in the game now <laughs> Um, but yeah, reach out to us uh, if you watch this these sorts of things, if they bring warm and fuzzies to your heart or if you're sick of them, either way. Yeah, if we miss something, then we, there might be a whole aspect of these things that we're totally disregarding and didn't bring up. That's a, that's a valid point. Uh, but yeah, what did you guys, th- what do you guys think about these types of this disposable, are they disposable? These disposable Hallmark Christmas romance movies. Uh, thank you guys for listening to us. Reach out at pod on Instagram and we will catch you next week.